I'm John. And I'm Keith. And this is Blubba Diddle. Your somewhat reliable source of information for most things, John. Most things, Keith, including something we're going to tell the folks about here in just a minute. But first, Widow's Link. Widow's Link. So, do you like widows? Just ask yourself. Do I like widows? If you don't, if you can't answer that question, then you need to think about it. You need to like widows. Yeah, because if you can't answer that question, you need to, you need to do a life review right now. And um, so anyway, we we support widows and we help send them on a cruise that connects them with other widows. Exactly, it's a form of grief support that connects with yeah. this uh, ministry this lady has that we got to meet. What's her name again? Marlene. Marlene. We may have Marlene on here one day for some prime content. So listen up, Flumadiddlers. We've got some prime content and some tiered Flumadiddle uh, support stuff, fun stuff coming. Whatever you call that. I don't know what I'm saying. I don't Keith. know. Some, but you know what I'm saying? Some premium content. Some premium content. So, so we're the, not sure the more that. you support us, though, the more widows you support. So keep that exactly. in mind. And um, anyway. Yeah, and monthly so, stuff, Keith, yeah. is going to start at a mere $1.99. That's right. Keith, you know, I bet every listener What can you get for $1.99, man? If you're lucky, you could go to the store and get a Mountain Dew, which would make you your blood sugar shoot through the roof and make you feel like crap. Or your life could be enriched by flummadiddle. Exactly. $1.99 a month, help a widow go on a cruise. Less than a cup of coffee at Starbucks by far. That's it. Or even McDonald's. So support. We're not there yet, but we're going to get that up and running. So, Keith, today, you know what we're going to start out talking about? I don't know, man. I just walked in here and just said, "Hey, let's do a podcast." All right. Well, we're then you might be under the influence of something here. No, really. Uh, and today we're going to start talking about ophiocordyceps unilateralis. Well, that's a popular topic that all our readers know about. Yeah. Well, that's what I thought we were going to talk about. I just wasn't sure. I was making sure. But I tell you what, won't you tell the people what that is a type of? Keith? That is a type of parasite. A parasite. Today, we're specifically, Keith, going to talk about mind-controlling parasites. Part one. Part one. So it's going to be a two-parter. The first part is going to be mind-controlling parasites. That are actually creatures. Insects. Insects. Yeah. Or, well, yeah. Are they all insects? No, they're no, not. They're there's not a fungus. Insects. Yeah, there's fungus. There's a single-celled, like amoeba. That's right. Okay, so they p- are living creatures of some description, though. But stay tuned, because next week we're going to talk about um, mind-controlling parasites, part two, humans. So there are some human parasites out there. Exactly. Keith, let's talk a little bit about parasites first, because a lot of people get creepy visions of parasites, but parasites have a very useful function in our world, and there are parasites. They have a useful function. Yes, they do. And the parasite in their host, that is the thing that has the parasite within it. Yeah. Keith, do you know what? There's some nasty parasites crawling all through your eyebrows right now that you I've can't heard, see. I've heard it before. Your eyelashes. Is it eyelashes? Eyebrows? It could be yeah, both. Both probably. Everywhere. They're in your gut. That's why they say don't give butterfly kisses to folks, right? Okay. Yeah. Because you get the parasites in your mouth. That's that, why that woman on the bus got mad at me for giving her a butterfly kiss. Because <laughs> of the parasites. I bet she did. So, Keith, think about it. There are beneficial parasites. But... I, I don't know about that, man. There are. Are they? Yeah, man. What do they do? Kill other parasites? Well, no. You, you just We won't dive too deep into okay. that because we could do a All whole right. show on that. But today we're going to be talking about parasites that you would not immediately think of as beneficial. Okay. Maybe that harbor ill will. Oh, yeah. They we're ultimately talk about the cool mind today. control yeah, their hosts mind control them. and either kill them, eat them, or cause them to self destruct in some way, Keith. But let me just tell you this, lest our people be concerned, Keith. Okay. 
Don't be concerned. I told my wife last night when we were talking about the whatever the OC office something something unilateralis. Yeah, you said it a minute ago. You can't she, say it again. I can't say it again. OPO said <laughs> something something, and right. she was like, "What in the world good is that?" I said, well, "I don't know. Let's check." So there's a great. We got a couple of really great articles off BBC Earth. Yeah. So y'all check that out, man. They got some and awesome National cool science Geographic, stuff. Too. Yeah, they got some really cool science stuff on there. But it was some different scientists speculating what the world would look like without parasites, Keith. Okay. And they said immediately it would look pretty bright and shiny, right? Yeah. They said they suggested that millions of people in third world countries would probably get immediately better okay. from parasite-driven illness. What's the downside here? That would be very short-lived, Keith. Oh, really? Because what happens is that the parasites actually... Generally, one of the biggest things they do is they provide population control. Oh, the balance. So they kill people and no they kill population. stuff. Yeah. yeah, they suggested that like, hey, wouldn't there be less suffering? Wouldn't there be this? Wouldn't there be that? Well, you well, can use that philosophical de- debate in a lot of different things, though, right? It's like, hey, let's get rid of this. Oh, well, then we'll have too many people. Well, the animal thing, though. I, I won't get too deep into this, but they do help yeah. keep certain populations in control. And they definitely talking about people and animals, though, right? We're sure. talking about an, yeah. the animal population here, though, right. that would overrun certain places. They said it would get to the point that it would throw the food chain off so far that humans would ha- start having to have huge cullings of different species. So our ecosystem, the, the ecosystem would be devastated. Yeah. Do you know almost fifty percent of all organisms on Earth are parasites, Keith? Really? Yep. I did not know that. And here's a word. I love this. And I studied. It, <laughs> it comes from a Greek word called parasitos, which means one who eats at the table of another. Oh, Isn't wow, that cool? Yeah. Dude, I love that. That is the word for the day. So I've done that before. Does that make me a parasite? You're a parasite, dude. <laughs> parasitos. Parasitos. Benefit, they benefit at the expense of their victims, Keith. So let's yeah, talk about is. that, right? So that so next week when we talk about humans, we'll be talking about the same thing, right? People who benefit at the expense of other people. You know what? One of the really neat things I forgot to mention, then we'll dive into some of these parasites, Keith. All right. There's like something called the hygiene hypothesis that suggests that if there were not parasites, our immune systems would not develop properly. Oh, really? And they would start attacking their own body. They would start attacking our own body. And, uh, you know, when people live in too clean of environments, that's a concern with, like, the new high-tech clean homes. Yeah. Is that if you're not exposed to any type of parasites, you might suffer from even more of these types of diseases, allergies. Yeah, and there's there's an argument against, um, like, antibacterial, you know, soaps and stuff like that for the same reason. You have bacteria that is good bacteria. That fights off the bad bacteria. And your body fights, learns to fight those things off. It helps to, yeah. it's like a workout for your immune system. So let your kids outside so they can eat dirt. Don't yeah. scrub them all up and keep them on video games all day. Dirt's so Keith, good for you. Dirt's good. Dirt don't hurt. <laughs> so Keith, you want to start with the Ophio Cordyceps Unilateralis? Uh, sure, man. I like its proper, or its uh, kind of common name better. Okay. It, it's well, found in the rainforests of Thailand, Africa, and Brazil. Keith. I was on the other article. So like oh, later. sorry. I got you. All right. So, the zombie ant fungus. The zombie ant fungus. Yeah. This Can you is tell us about the zombie ant fungus? This is really cool. 
Okay, so the first thing it does is it gets scooped up by like some mosquitoes, right? Yep. Skeeters. No, never mind. That's a different. Is that one. a different one? That's a different. Gosh, Keith, we're already off. You're always, you're behind, man. We're somewhat reliable source of information. Okay, this is the, the spores are on the rainforest. The spores forest floor. are on the rainforest floor, and the ants start exactly. eating them, right? Right. Okay, so then, um, it spends three to nine days developing inside its body. Yes, it does. So then, it, it, at some point, it gets ready to complete its life cycle. And so it manipulates the mind of this ant to just ply blindly away from safety like a zombie. Exactly, Keith. And uh, so it makes it go up about, I don't know how far it said, 25 centimeters. 25 centimeters. It does tree. a very similar thing, no matter what the ant is. It makes it just this mindless zombie behavior, right? It goes up 25 centimeters up yeah, a tree. almost precisely, which there's got to be a reason for that. It's probably something to do with the humidity or the something The humidity like that. so that the fungus can yeah, grow. so it can grow. Exactly. So then these uh, basically like mushrooms pop out of its body, right? Right. Well, it clamps down on the leaf, right? Oh, yeah. It and does at that point, that it dies. Yeah. And then not too long after that, it's like the alien dude. It's like... So that kind of reminds you of that movie, Alien. Dude, that's awesome. It's like the fungus like sprouts out of its head and out of yeah. its body and then respores the rainforest floor key. So like as we're going through a lot of these, it makes me think that the person who wrote the movie Alien apparently knew about some of these parasites. What do you think? I think so, man. So like in the movie Alien you had a queen right. who laid eggs who would stay dormant until you had motion around them, right? Right. And then they would pop out this uh Face hugger, which is a weird little thing. It's like a like, cracking thing that sucks yeah, on your face. Yeah, exactly. And it wraps its tail around your neck so that you can't move. And but it it would um, inject a toxin to paralyze the host, and then inject an egg through the throat. Right, dude. That's totally like what this kind of stuff we're talking about. Cause, exactly. Because there's a wasp that we're going to talk does about later similar that stings to that. And though, uh, so anyway in over head. time in Alien it would burst out of the chest that's yeah. the chest burster right? right and that was your alien and then it would grow to thankfully, a thankfully that poor little ant is already dead yeah so this is actually more merciful parasite yeah. <laughs> right because <laughs> exactly. the ant dies as soon as it clamps down exactly it's dead so yeah. it's put out of its misery okay alright Keith you want to do the next one there the Paragordius tricuspidatus the, uh, also known as the kamikaze horsehair worm. The kamikaze horsehair worm, Keith. So kamikaze gives you an idea. Yeah, that's not good. Right, you know, that sounds it. bad. Now, this is the one where you were talking about that its larva is eaten by like a mayfly or a mosquito. Yeah, I was getting them confused. Yeah. And then the cricket or grasshopper You're right. eats it's this thing. The common household cricket or, or yeah, grasshopper. It eats the fly the mosquito or whatever oh and keith when it does it's all over yeah and so it hijacks this mind as well too right and it makes it do something crazy that crickets don't do keith what's crazy to me though is it says it's, it alters the functions of its central nervous system so is that is that your brain or is that just your nervous system no, your central nervous system, man, that's every, that's the that's, whole deal. It includes that's the like brain. I just wonder, cord. like, if they can still think, you know, like, no, like, oh crap, I'm doing this, so they're a zombie. Yeah, they're just out. So it's like a they're frontal lobotomy. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. I thought it'd be cooler if, like, they were being mind controlled but couldn't 
like but were aware oh that's terrible you know like, like that'd be terrible yeah. key so anyway the uh parasite makes it go and jump into water which crickets would normally actively avoid yeah because they don't get eaten by bass and go right exactly exactly so then it can start the life cycle all over so again. it drowns at that point mm-hmm. and then you would never know right but all of a sudden the horsehair worms start to emerge and reproduce and basically, you've got these little cooked spaghetti-looking worms sticking out of a grasshopper. Yeah. That's pretty disgusting. It's it pretty is. gross stuff, man. <laughs> the next one, man. All right, can you pronounce that? Which one? The scientific name? Yeah, we're it. doing the, the old uh, the carbuncles, uh, right? Saculina. Saculina sp. Dot. <laughs> I don't know what the the sp stands for. I don't know what the sp dot is. But it's is. saculina something. But saculina is kind of similar to the uh, the what it looks like. Regular nineteen. <laughs> the castrator barnacles. Yeah, or carbuncles. Carbuncles. There you go. <laughs> so the castrator barnacles, and yeah, it, it's similar to the name, right? What's it do? Well, it finds a little chink in the crab's armor, right? The claw yeah. joints. It squeezes up in there. It gets out of its shell, and it says it looks kind of like a slug. It squeezes up in there, leaching off the crab nutrients. And then once fully grown, the barnacle looks like a soft, pulsating egg yolk. Yeah. So it almost looks, let's just say, like a sack. It does, yeah. <laughs> hanging on the crab's Yeah, that egg yolk, egg yolk is a pretty good description. I mean, it kind of looks like a egg yolk. Really. It is, right? So if the crab, so here's where it gets it's, its name. It's a tumor. A tumor. Yeah, you ever uh, seen Kindergarten Cop? Yeah, oh, yeah. My son saw that for the first time. Yeah. Not it's not ago. a tumor. <laughs> <laughs> Keith, you're off topic. I think that maybe um, I got the you. Esperanza didilatus has gotten into your carbuncles. Uh, it's controlling my thoughts, <laughs> making me think of the Schwarzenegger. The Schwarzenegger. All right, so if the crab is female, Keith, what happens? So it makes it take care of the, the larva, right? Yeah, as if it were his own. But if it's male, oh no! Here comes the castrator <laughs> carbuncles. It will be it, it feminizes. Feminized. It. I don't know exactly it how it does do that. The same thing. Does it actually castrate it? No, but it I think says it, just it changes grows a larger. It makes something? it. Yeah, probably. It doesn't say for sure, but it does say that it makes it grow a larger abdomen and its gonad shrink. Shrink. And yeah, it stops developing its. It's never good claws. when you gonad shrink. That's bad. Yeah. Bad, bad. It's like jumping in a cold pool. Mm-hmm. And so it starts... Uh, so it's carbuncles. So it makes it kind of do the same thing that the female does, guard its young. So it turns it into a woman. It's like a it's old Bruce Jenner, Caitlyn Jenner thing. <laughs> turns it into a woman and makes it care for its young, right? I got you. <laughs> so next one is a little bit different than the other ones. You want to try it's, to say that one? It's another type of parasitic worm, right? Yeah. It's a, a leucochloridium paradoxum. I like that. Yeah, I like that too. So, Keith, if you see a snail with two beautiful eye stalks, emerald, olive, charcoal. Pulsating. Pulsating. That's another good word. It is. Pulsating. Pulsating. A pulsating brood sack. Yeah, so it's a green. <laughs> <laughs> it's a green banded brood sack. All right, so how does it take over the old, uh, what does it take over a uh, snail? Well, the first thing it does is it squirms its way into the stalks of the snail and uh, so that they look like a juicy, pulsating, brightly cutter, colored. 
colored, catered, catered, colored caterpillar. So, I mean, that's on purpose, right? Because it wants to look like a, a exactly. nice little snack for a bird. Exactly, because all these things are doing, these parasites, this is their own way of reproducing themselves. Yeah. Right? So it manipulates the snail's behavior so they would go out in an area where they normally wouldn't go so that you could see them. Right. Nice little bright green things like, hey, look at me. I'm a tasty snail. Yeah. But really, it's the parasite that's taken over. So then um, when the birds eat them, they can start its life cycle again, right? Bada bang. All right. What's the next one, man? The ladybird parasite. Also known also... as the Dinocampus coccinella. Or... <laughs> Something hey, like that. And look, we, we are your somewhat reliable source of pronunciation <laughs> yeah. for scientific things, so don't hold us to that. So this is maybe a... You know what we should have done next time? We'll, uh, maybe you can get Jim to record the scientific names. Oh yeah, <laughs> I don't the know if he did any better or not. He might. He'd probably be. He's he's real good with nature stuff. So, all right. So, um, this one is from a wasp, right? Wasps do this. Yeah, commonly. wasps are pretty neat. We've got yeah. another wasp we're going to talk about here in a few minutes. Right. So, it needs a host that will protect its eggs. Right. And this ladybird, um. Is that what it's called? Just a ladybird, like beetle? Yeah, or spotted like ladybird. It's what we'd call a ladybug. Okay. So it's just, so it's a, just ladybug. a ladybug. Okay. Well, they're just trying to get fancy on They're trying to get fancy, but it's, it's just, just a, a ladybug. ladybug. You know what I'm saying? Right. So what's cool is you don't you think ladybugs are like all cute and stuff, and you know we have little pictures and decorations of them, but anyway, they can really take care of themselves. You know, they have a disgusting poison they admit, and the bright red shell with black spots. You know, red in nature is like, hey, don't you don't want to eat me. I'm pretty gross. So I got, like, one on my face not too long ago. Yeah. And I, you know, swapped it away or whatever. Yeah. But then, like, my fingers and my face had this weird smell to it. Is that that poison? Yeah. It, ah. stung, it, it slimed you, dude. It was gross. It had a weird smell. It did. That's a little so, uh, stink. Anyway, basically, the wasp injects the egg into this ladybug, right? Yeah. And so when the egg hatches, though, the larva chews through the ladybird's internal tissues before bursting through the abdomen. So that's very alien-like as well, right? I know, right? Isn't that cool? And then it spins a cocoon between its legs. Now, here's what's weird. All this still doesn't kill this thing. Exactly. It's still alive. It's alive. So we were talking about how the, the fungus was kind of merciful to the ant, you know, by letting it die. This right. thing's still alive. It's alive, dude. And so it's stuck there. With this weird cocoon thing in between its legs. Fuzzy cocoon hanging down and, there. And then it twitches and thrashes as yeah, a predator. It'll still scare the stuff yeah. off from it. By so it's, it's basically twitching pr and protecting the, the, the larva. egg or larva. Larvae. Larvae. Larva. The larva. Larva. So is larvae singular and larva plural? Or what's the... Yeah. I don't know. One of them is. I bet one of them's singular and one of them's plural. Probably. Again, we're somewhat reliable. We're, you know, look. So we got another wasp, right? The emerald cockroach wasp, which does something similar. Ampulux compressa. So it injects into the cockroach, right? It's egg. Yeah, just cockroach. a plain old American cockroach, like the big old brown ugly things we see around here. So here's what's weird about this thing, though. It like, this is in the other article too, but um, it like gives it a sting first to paralyze it. And right. then it stings it like in its head, incapacitates. Right yeah, right in the part of its brain. Like yeah. The, 
Isn't that crazy? It man? incapacitates its ability to do anything really, and then it like basically takes its antennas and sits there and rides it. You know, controls it to go where it wants it to. That's crazy. Man. <laughs> Imagine a wasp. Wasn't it that? I mean, I wish That's we could so find some cool. art. I wish I could get David Finlayson to do some artwork that be like a big green wasp sitting on top yeah. of a cockroach like a cowboy holding his antennas. I know, like, that's funny. <laughs> dude, that would be a great Flumadiddle t-shirt, man. Yeah, it would be. You're right. So, God, anyway, we, it, we it directs it back to, its, uh, back to its nest or whatever, right, right where yep. the larva grows and bursts out of its chest. And then, you know, one reason why these parasites do this is the larvae or larvae or whatever you call it yeah it it has food source already and it stays alive to keep that or it wants it to stay alive to keep that food source fresh until right. it's fully developed so as soon as it's ready to you know go to the next stage of its life cycle there it has fresh food right there starts Bam. eating so look so when it takes it back to the nest keith you know it said that it lays its eggs on the abdomen barricades it in with pebbles mm-hmm said theoretically the roach would could escape yeah but it's but it doesn't even try it's taking over it just sits there submissively as the wasp larva eats it alive (laughs) finally the adult wasp burst out of the cockroach's remains that is some insane stuff you just can't make this stuff up keith i know it man so how we doing on time we got a couple of oh yeah we're doing good on time man got a couple of them that are actually in fact humans here yeah, this is this is actually one of the more common parasites in the world, Toxoplasmosis, also known and as Toxoplasma Gandhi. Gandhi. Not that, that guy, not there. the Indian guy, but he was mind controlled. Yeah, that's and where he come up with all his good stuff. So all his wisdom. Here's what's crazy, dude. From a, co- us, from a wasp. Oh, <laughs> a wasp gave him his wisdom. All right. No, this is actually not a wasp. It's a uh, no. Else. Basically, what happens is a single-celled creature, and it's very cool-looking. You ought to look it up. It's very colorful, right? So it mainly infects rats and mice, and it affects them in such a way that cats will be more likely to eat them. Keith, what does it do to rats to help cats like to eat them more? It actually makes them, like, attracted to the pheromones that is in cat urine. Yeah, and they lose their fear of that smell. So they actually seek seek it out. They want it. Please, please, cat, destroy me. Oh, that smells good. Let me go get it. Right, exactly. And so they'll they'll be in places where cats will get them, which was the parasite's plan all along. Exactly, man, to take over the world. So here's what's weird about this. Between 30 and 60% of people are infected with this thing. Right. You may have it and you don't even know it. But... At this point, we don't really have any idea if it affects human behavior. Right. There is some evidence that might suggest that it does. There's some evidence that might suggest that there's a correlation between it and schizophrenia. Right. And some one guy talked about that said, but at the same time, there's lots of schizophrenics who don't have any kind of toxoplasmosis. Right. So and lots of people that do who don't, don't know have if this. It's a direct so, so who knows for sure. But either way, there you go. How about rabies, Keith? Let's just hit it just for a second. It's a virus. So that's that's the real life rage virus, right? That's the real life thing, and that's where movies get their thing. If there was, you know, the idea that uh, like a chemically or a virally controlled, I don't know what I'm trying to say, zombie horde. Yeah, kind of a zombie type thing. That's yeah. where some of the movies riff on the idea of well, maybe like, like the CDC twenty eight tweaking with rabies or virus. something like that. Yeah. the zombie movie. It was a rage virus, right? Yeah, 
That was yeah. a that was a good movie. Oh, that's a pretty good movie. Oh, like so that. anyway, rabies ain't no count, man. It's like the real life one though. Like it the the way the parasite works is it makes or virus. The, yeah, it's actually a virus. Yeah, the way the but virus it works is it makes the host aggressive so that it will attack other people, things, whatever. Right. And then the, it's transferred by the saliva, so it makes it want to scratch him. Uh, scratch. 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 Wants to scratch. Like, I, will you scratch my itch, players? <laughs> will you scratch my crotch? <laughs> scratch. Keith, scratching crotches is yeah. not part of the Flumadiddle family here. Let's 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 take a turn back towards Okay, them. yeah. Get off but, course there. So, um, so, anyway, it makes the people or dogs or whatever want to scratch and bite. And bite. Okay. Yeah, it affects levels of, uh, what is it, like dopamine and other brain chemicals. Yeah. So, all right. So, it's we know we need we need parasites, Keith. We just don't need them, like, eating our brains and stuff. Which, by the way, just on a, another note, there is a bacteria, right? The You know, the brain-eating amoeba. You know, you hear of people, like, using a neti pot yeah. with tap water. Yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, and it really does eat your brain. And Dang. you die. I've used a neti pot before. Well, you just use it. I love neti pots. Neti pots are great, but yeah. you should always use them with distilled water. Never I, yeah, use tap I water use, or you'll die. I use distilled distilled. distilled? Water. <laughs> God, I'm off my game. I've used I use distilled or sterilized water. I've used distilled water, water as well. <laughs> Documentary. Documentary. All right, Keith, what else you got? You got that other wasp? Yeah. You have the Costa Rican wasp, the Hymena epimesis agirifaga. Is that the, yeah, that's the web slinging, lo- the the web web slinging, slinging wasp. wasp right? That's it, man. So have you, you ever seen an orb, weaver, an orb weaver's uh, web? I have. I looked so them up online. They're pretty interesting yeah, by yeah. themselves, right? Right. Um, but anyway. But this is a whole new thing. It takes it to a yes. whole next level. Right, so um, it's after living off the host for weeks, the, the wasp larva injects a chemical into the spider that makes it build a strange new kind of web. Right. So it's basically supposed to be a cocoon for that larva, right? Exactly. So the wasp injects, just like the other wasp, injects the egg into the spider. Bam. The spider grows this larva inside it, and then the larva takes over its mind and makes it spin a a cocoon for it. That's so weird, ain't it? It is weird, man. And then you have zombified cockroaches. We were talking. Yeah, about we already that. talked about them. Um, I'm Mind not so interested in them. Yeah, I'm not so interested in them. I think we're kind of the fishy dance of death. Yeah. This is the National Geographic article. If you want to check it out, but that was kind of interesting. The it's another uh, worm, right? When it gets into the fish, though, it makes it uh, jump and twitch and stuff. Like it normally wouldn't make it more attractive to birds. Oh, okay. I got so it's you. trying to get into the bird so it can go through with its life cycle again. So anyway, Keith, you know, the thing that makes this interesting, the old parasite thing in popular culture, you mentioned aliens. Yeah. Robert Heinlein has a book. He's a famous science fiction writer. I think I've read Stranger in a Strange Land, at least part of it. It's a very famous book. But I think it's called The Puppet Masters. It's about alien parasites. Oh, yeah. There's this fear, man, of this something coming inside you, some external force I know coming in and controlling your mind. You know, I thought Invasion of the Body Snatchers was about that, and then I looked it up, and I was like, no, actually, they were creating whole new people. Oh, okay. They were cloning people, and the clones, and then they would like just kill off the... 
the originals. I got you. So that's one that's not like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for sharing that, Keith. Yeah, you're welcome. And hey, for any of our uh, Flumadiddle listeners, if you have a favorite mind-controlling parasite that we're not aware of, Please share with us and let us know. We'll be able to. We'll be happy to give you rather a and, shout out if you do that. And if it's your next door neighbor, then we'll give you information about that next week on part right. two. Human. Parasites. So this is going to be talking more next week about manipulation. Yeah. Mind control, media influence, right. some so stuff just, like that. Just a little preview. We we can't really mind control, right? But we can manipulate people to such a level that it's just as good. If you can control behavior. Do you really need to control the mind? Right. Basically, isn't the the end the same? You know, could be Keith. So we'll stick around and find mm-hmm. out next week. Keith, one last interesting fact. Right. I I really like the first one, the zombie ant fungus. Yeah, the idea of parasitic fungus. Well, Keith, did you know that the largest organism on Earth is a humongous fungus? A humongous fungus, and it is in Oregon, and it's also known as the honey fungus. And this specific one in the Blue Mountains of Oregon measures approximately 2.4 miles wide at its largest point. That's a big old fungus. It's there's, a big old fungus. There's a big old fungus among us. There sure is. So anyway, just interesting little spot. There's a big old humongous fungus among us. Absolutely. Say that five times fast. Keith, you know what? Humongous That's fungus among us. <laughs> humongous fungus among us. Humongous fungus among us. That's another among t-shirt us. idea. Humongous fungus among us. I gotta write these t shirt ideas down. But I've been John. What? Oh, and I'm Keith. Yeah. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> we do that. And you can read I know that's why I said I've been John. Oh, and I've been Keith. Okay. And uh we're your somewhat reliable source of information. I, yeah. I mean, sometimes we're not as reliable and other <laughs> we're, times we're more reliable. We're mostly reliable. We're mostly reliable. So anyway, get a hold of us. At Do You Flummadiddle on Facebook, Do You Flummadiddle at gmail.com. Subscribe or follow on your favorite podcast app. Exactly. And come back and listen uh, to the rest next week. Get some premium content so you can support the widows. Absolutely. God bless. And peace out. Good day. (laughs) 